today we give you thanks that you can touch the minds, the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual ears, O oh Father, and cause us to hear your word and to perceive what your spirit is telling us. Please, O oh God, we ask that you'll be with us in today's service. We pray, Lord, that these thoughts that we share would not just be information we receive for a natural education from your word, but, O oh Father, an illumination of our minds and our hearts. Liberate your people today. Touch the eyes of our understanding and remove spiritual blindness, Father. O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name that you will bless every heart following us today. And those that listen to this message after uh, this is over, Lord, that you will open their understanding also. Lord, free your people, especially in these days of darkness. Help us to understand what your will for us is and to pursue the same. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask again your blessing on this service. Amen and amen. Well, yesterday we heard from Brother John. Today we'll hear from Brother Sam. And so he's here in the congregation. I'll ask him to come up and speak to you. And may God uh, touch your hearts and touch your minds. Well, thanks to Brother Sam today and Brother John yesterday for sharing their thoughts with us. You know, while Brother Sam was talking, I'm thinking, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I send you out to preach the gospel. He says, he that receiveth you, 
receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. I'm 72 and I'm not going to be around forever. And I'm thinking, if I have these men that were in this church before me, remain after I'm gone, or while I'm alive, when Brother John gets up or Brother Sam gets up, what is your attitude? If you reject them, you reject me. And if you reject me, you reject Christ that sent me. And if you reject Christ that sent me, you reject the Father. Simple. Same principle goes. And so when any one of these elders, and Brother Sam and Brother John were in this church long before I got here, and they have been faithful over the years, and what they say is from their hearts. And as you, whether you're online or you're sitting in this congregation, they are long enough to feel your spirit if you're sink, soaking in what they're saying or you're just putting a deaf ear. They can feel that. I can feel that too. And that's not good for you because Jesus said that. And so when I send these men out, uh, or in the church, we might have departments. Anyone that work in a department represents me. And rejection of an individual that is leading a department is rejecting me and my authority in the church. And so Brother Souders, I think, they had, or Brother Jolly, I'm not sure which one, but they had a little thing written on the pulpit that says, watch your spirit. Oh, it's good to be educated in the Word of God, but it's another thing to watch your spirit. And so I'm glad that these brothers are here and they helped me out this weekend. And I don't have to say a lot of things. You've got your Bibles. I want you to turn with me. And uh, while Brother Sam was talking, this scripture popped into my mind. And we've been talking about the devil. And we have a lot of times to talk about the devil. Um... The devil could have you sitting in the congregation want to hear more about the devil. He is so subtle. He might have you by your nose and you don't even understand. One time, you know, I like stories. They're, my life is made up of stories, all kinds of stories. I remember while I'm sitting here, I remember we were in Florida one time. I think it was in Florida. I'm not sure which place, but we were, and after Saturday night service, uh, about 10 or 12 of us brothers went into uh, Steak and Shake uh, for a get-together. So we had this long table, and 12 of us are sitting there, and suddenly the door opens up, and a lady comes in, full of the devil. And here we are, about 10 or 12 of us sitting at the table, and then she targets me. She walks over to me, and she said, you're the man. And the brothers start to laugh, and I knew the woman was possessed. And if it was in Guyana, she wouldn't walk out of there with the devil. But it's America. You, you, you know, in Guyana, I'll say, okay, brothers, bring her in. We lay hands and cast that devil out and wouldn't stop praying until she said, the Lord is God. 
And sometimes you'll be surprised to know that the devil, I heard a story one time of a man that said, he, he said, Lord, can you touch my eyes and let me see angels in the church? And when the Lord touched his eyes, he saw more demons on the shoulders of the people and all over the church. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers of darkness. And it's not what you think should be done in the church is what God allows in the church that should be done. And that is important. And Paul here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and this is so predominant. That woman in, in Florida or wherever it was, she did that a few times. Uh, she walked out and she come back in straight to me. It reminds me when I was in, was it, uh, I think we might have been in France or in London. We were in London. And there are hundreds of people. And you know these men uh, in the open areas, they dress up like, uh, like a statue and stuff like that. Well, there was a man that he looked so much like a statue. He's not moving. And he's, he paints himself in the color that makes him look like a statue. And everybody's there is flashing. And when I went up to take a picture among the many hundreds of people, he looked at me and he stopped. And he came off the thing. He stopped being that statue. He says, I don't like you. Straight out. He says, I don't like you. And I looked at the man. I know he was possessed. I said, I don't like you too. He says, don't take my picture. And this happened because when you understand demonic activity, I might preach a lesson that turns you off. You have to figure out what turns you off. God or your demons. And so Paul said in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. That's when Brother Sam said uh, that we don't, but you know, we, we don't faint. Sometimes you feel discouraged. Well, I've gone beyond that. You've got to really be full of the devil to discourage me. Um, I've seen people come on in, say they love me one day, and the next day they don't. Right? And I've seen people come that says this is the best church they ever found and then left it and speak evil of the church. I've seen it all. I've been around for many years. And Paul says we faint not. I do not faint easily. And he goes on to saying, but we have renounced. I will never want to preach a gospel that I'm not sure about. I went up to Nadine today, and, and she was, um, we were talking, and remember the, the song that says, Chosen in God? And I'm telling her, I said, you remember the time when we, you accidentally sang Frozen in God in home? Instead of Chosen in God, she was singing Frozen because the place was cold. For fun. But I told her that I don't offer to the congregation packaged food because we were talking about frozen dinners. And a minister can get up and offer to the congregation a prepackaged frozen food. You can get those at Shoppers Drug Mart or Metro. You buy a packaged healthy meal, frozen. 
Nothing beats a freshly cooked meal. And I can offer you a frozen dinner. And whatever I'm doing, it depends on your spirit. And so we'll talk just a little bit here today, but I want you to follow me here. And Paul went on, he says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. If I know that the scripture might have a flaw, even though it's written in the Holy Bible, I will never preach it as a truth. I will never agree with that if the center column reference put a question mark on that. I will never say there is no mistakes in this Bible because it was not originally written in English. And translators can be perverted as much as those that don't know how to translate. Historians can be biased as much as those that don't know how to write history. And preachers can be prejudicial in interpreting the scripture because they do not want that message they're preaching to give some other organization credibility. It is handling the word of God deceitfully if you know better and you're not preaching the truth and the reality of what you should preach. And he goes on, he says, nor walking craft in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Paul says, we're not that. And I hope to God, I'm not that. I hope to God, I'm not handling the word of God deceitfully. He says, but by manifestation of the truth, the reality, the truth, truth about, as Brother Sam was saying, Truth about how much power we've got. Cupboards are empty. We do not have the early church power that Peter and James and John had. But it's possible that we can get it. And that is why scripture is there to direct us. Don't be satisfied with what you've got if you know it's impotent when it comes to the power of God. Seek the power of God. Seek what God has. And you read Revelation chapter 11 and you know there is more to be given. There is to be given the power of God. But you see, uh, we have made our own measurements. John was given a reed like unto rod in Revelation 11. God gave him that reed like unto rod and tell him how to measure the temple. But you see what we have today and our younger generation are growing up without an experience in God, but they're good kids. Well, they were born while mom and dad were in the church. So some of the time they are little kids coming up, they know how to dress like a Christian, sing like a Christian, talk like a Christian. But if they have never experienced God in their life, they're, uncon they're unconverted even though they look godly. And the first opportunity that the devil has, he'll knock them out of the church or keep them dead in their religion. And the church, after a while, if the younger generation fail to accept God and the power of God in their life, the church will become the church of the living dead. Do not underestimate your enemy. 
And so the gospel I preach, it's important that we understand this gospel. See, we've got an enemy that has a few names. And I'm going to look at one name right here. But you know, he's called the dragon. He's called that old serpent. Or the serpent. He's called the, the devil. He's called Satan. Those are all names that describe him in a different measure. Uh, King of Babylon in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 14 and Lucifer in the same chapter. In Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel 28, he's called the prince of uh, Tyrus. He could be called the king of Toronto. Depends on his governmental uh, principality. He works at a principality and he's got princes in the heavenly places that work with him. I'm not talking about flesh and blood. I'm talking about the devil. And the biggest mistake we can make is if we underestimate the enemy that we're fighting and take him for granted, he has already won the battle. As much as we're seeking after God, we should be wise enough to recognize what is the devil doing in our midst. What is putting you, lulling you to a, a spiritual slumber? The song of the devil. Say, we must understand these things. And Paul says, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You see, I'm preaching a message. And before I even come to preach this message, I've spent enough time asking God for the wisdom to say the right things to the congregation. Now, I might be having my own spirit involved in it because I might want to use some human vocabulary. And it's not God preaching, I'm preaching. But I hope that God can touch me that I can present the gospel like God would have me present it. All right? Are you still with me? And then he goes on here. Paul made a statement. He says, if our gospel be hid or veiled, if what I'm saying does not click with your conscience and your mind and your spirit, there is a reason for that. Satan has blinded your mind. He has touched your understanding. And I don't care if you're a saint in the congregation, if you're an usher, if you want to cleanse the bathrooms, I don't care who you are. You can be an elder. You can be a pastor of a big church. Doesn't matter. Satan has no limits to what he can do. Are you with me still? All right. Paul says, if our gospel be hid or veiled, it is hid to them that are lost. Why is it hid to them that are lost? He says, in whom the God of this world, that's another title given to the devil. The God of this world has blinded their, the minds of them which believe not, let the, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now listen to me carefully. So we have a situation that if we underestimate the devil, he will defeat us. You cannot take it for granted. And that is why when we start the service, the very commencement of a service is important. If he gets into the worship 
and I'm more busy building a band than praying. And it's the band that determines if the Spirit of God is in the service or not. It's the screaming that makes you feel goosebumps. Then we don't understand God. The devil has already blinded our minds because if the church can become a flesh operation and a social club, then the church will never produce overcomers. Because it's the Spirit of God that will produce overcomers. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that there is this dragon standing before the woman, ready to devour the man-child as soon as he is born. I'm thinking that we're living at that time where the woman, the church, is travailing in birth to deliver. We're standing at that, we're living in that period of time where the, the dragon is nose to nose with the woman, ready to bombard her. When you read that in chapter 12 of Revelation, right? You read that in chapter 12, you'll find that when the man-child is caught away, the woman flees into the wilderness. What saves that woman from the flood that's coming out of the dragon's mouth to destroy her. What is saving that woman? Well, the Bible tells us there was given to her two wings of an eagle. She is not protected because she is wearing masks. Amen. A personal protective wear. She is protected because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as the eagles. The two wings I believe that this woman is given is because she becomes a praying church and God protects her from what's going on. So the witness is dead, but the woman is in the wilderness protected by God. She doesn't have a life, a, a, a fresh witness to the world, but she's protected by God. You know, one of the sad chapters of the Bible is the 13th chapter of Revelation that tells us that there was given unto this beastly system a mouth speaking great things, and it was given unto this beastly system the authority to war against the saints and to overcome them. And that is why many will wonder at the beast. They appreciate what the government is doing. They appreciate, you know, uh, we here in Mississauga, we could ask the government for help because we are losing about $2,500 a month uh, from the income that we would normally get. And Sister Indira sitting in the back, she says, we're doing good. You know why we're doing good, Sister Indira? Because God is good. But beyond that, I'm not surprised if the tenants are gone. Listen, we fight an enemy that we don't see, and we don't see him. Uh, we should not just think he's an ugly enemy that doesn't know what he's doing. He has toppled kingdoms. And I'm going to show you one area here before we close the service today. I really appreciate Brother Sam and Brother John. 
and all the other elders that are standing with us. I appreciate all the saints that sending their offerings and their tithes still uh, via the uh, email uh, to get it to support the church. I appreciate all of that. But I appreciate God that has kept us protected in this city. I appreciate God that has started this assembly. And except he build a house, we labor in vain to build it. Over in the book of Revelation, I just want to point your attention to just a few verses here. You know, it's one thing to look at things from uh, my perspective. It's one thing to, let, to look at the work of God from the people's perspective. It is one thing to look at the, God, the, the work of God from what the devil puts in your mind to look at. You look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It is another thing to look at the work of God and what's going on in the world from God's perspective. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own paths. As far as the heaven is above the earth, so high are God's thoughts uh, from man's thoughts. As far as the east is from the west, so far, so distant are God's thoughts and man's thoughts. So when I look at the church and I look at the world, I must come to the place of de developing the mind of the Father, that I have the Father's name written in my forehead, not literally, but because I learned to think like the Father and see like the Father and make judgment like the Father. Because when I'm looking here in Revelation... When we know, according to history, Christianity was covering all that area in Asia Minor. When God looked down, he saw seven churches. Seven. Out of the seven, five were condemned for hypocrisies. Okay? Five had flaws. But quickly, in the best church, I think, here was Smyrna. Uh, Smyrna had no fault whatsoever in verse 8. Smyrna, unlike Ephesus that had left their first love, and God says you best restore that love you have for me, and they did, because they survived longer than a lot of other churches. But here is Smyrna, a church that had not a lot of money, but they were rich in the sight of God. You would think a church like this, the Lord says these things, said the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and thy tribulation and your poverty. You're a poor church. You don't have big facilities. Poor church. The Lord says, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they're Jews and are not. But there were people in that church that belonged to the synagogue of Satan. Smyrna had an element that belonged to the devil right in that church that God was appreciating. Satan was there. But our church is different. We got God here. We ain't got God here as much as we would like. That's what Brother Sam was saying. We need more of the power of God. Wouldn't that be nice if I walk over there up to the gate beautiful and see an impotent man and says, rise up and walk. Now I got to go call a prayer meeting and a fasting and praying and hope. And then uh, by the time we're finished, we hope we're not impotent. And the man, impotent man, uh, would still re remain impotent. You understand what I'm saying? 
<coughs> All right, verse, in verse 12, he talks to the church at Pergamos, and in verse 13, when he speaks to this church, he says, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan has a seat in the church. So are we impervious? Are we infallible? Don't underestimate the devil. He's got more churches on this planet than God's got. Iniquity shall abound. Who has the, where did iniquity originate from? Read your Bible. Thou was perfect in all thy ways till iniquity was found in thee. It was born in the life and in the heart of this devil. And so he floods the world with iniquity. He wouldn't stop the church. He'd just let you do what God doesn't want you to do. If he can make you into a social club or he can just make you a carnal, fleshly church and you think it's God when it's the devil, you think the spirit is moving when God is not even there? He's got iniquity working in the church. So here in Pergamos, the seat of Satan there, and uh, it goes on here and to, it says in verse, uh, verse uh, 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas, my faithful martyr, was slain amongst you, where Satan dwelleth. Satan was dwelling in the church. But he can't be in us? No. He can be in any church. If he attacked these churches that were born out of the early church and the move of God, what makes you think us coming out of deep 2,000 years of apostasy think we've got a handle on the devil? No, he ain't got nothing. We need the mercy of God, and that is why the church need to receive that power spoken of in Revelation 11, so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. In verse, um, as it comes down here, Tytyra was not too bad, but even at the end there, Tytyra had problems here with this spirit of fornication working in the church. But I want verse 24, but I say unto you and unto the rest in Tytyra, as many as you... Uh, as, as many as have not this doctrine, but which have, are, have known the depths of Satan as they speak. You see, they, they, let me read that again. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Tyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. You see, the depths of Satan was working in Tyatira. But our church is greater than that. No, 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 it's not. He toppled, make, he made Samson grind at the mills of the Philistine. Samson with a jawbone of an ass, he could kill a thousand Philistines. Solomon was classified as the wisest man that ever lived on this earth. When it ended up, he had altars to his wives in the temple of God, in the house of God. Don't underestimate the enemy. And listen, he is not this heinous guy. 
His job. He was created to do that job. And you know what? Even though Job went through the problems that Job went through, guess what? Not once did Job blame the devil. So when you say, well, the devil is doing things here. No, no, no. So God is allowing some things to happen because unless God, give God the credit. Don't praise the devil for his onslaught on us. Listen, let's see God and put on the whole armor of God like Brother Sam said. Helmet off. It starts with your salvation. Well, I've been church for 20 years. Maybe you still need to be converted. Jesus told Peter, he says, when you are converted. But I'm following you for three years. It doesn't matter. You still need to be converted. Get on your knees. Ask God to cleanse you and let there be a conversion process started in your life. All right? And so we move on here and... You know about uh, Sardis, they were dead, already dead, had a repetition that this was alive, but it was dead. In Philadelphia, this, this uh, sixth church called Philadelphia, verse, verse uh, 9, the Lord says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they're Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them come and worship before your feet. Here was a good church, but it had the synagogue of Satan working alongside it. And the Lord is going to humble those that were of the synagogue of Satan, Satan and let them come and submit themselves to the church. And when you look at all of these examples of where Satan was, it will be naive for us to say, well, the devil can't come against us. We have an enemy that we cannot underestimate his power. We have to, as much as we study God, we need to understand the enemy that's working out there because now he is transformed as an angel of light. He preaches the gospel because that's one of the easiest ways to deceive God's people. And he has dis- destroyed not only uh, old-time churches and organizations. Look at a man like Martin Luther coming out and challenge the Catholic church system and defeated it to a great extent But then the devil stopped him. You don't need to go further. Form an organization. And that has happened to great men of the past. And we should never feel that we are too great for the devil to undermine our faith. It is nice talking to us today. We've got an enemy. Let's not underestimate the power of the devil. And remember, if my gospel be hid that I preach to you, You go home and pray about it because it might very well be that the God of this world has blinded your minds to receive my gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another day in your house. We thank you for this service, O Father. We thank you for these elders and the saints that are faithful to this cause, Father. And we pray, O God, that you will continue to be in our lives and be in our hearts, we pray. Let these words sink deep into our lives. Touch the eyes of our understanding like we were singing today, Father. Lord, we need you to touch our eyes that we might see and perceive what is your perfect will for our lives, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen and amen.